Welcome to Boiling Point. Kangaroos are iconic Australian animals that have, the, that have interesting behavioral characteristics. They live in communities and their environment plays a factor in their interactions. Today we are going to take a closer look at the environments kangaroos live in and how certain factors in their environment affect their behaviors. Our guest today will tell us about their research in this area and what we can learn about kangaroo ecology. Listen to the story in just a moment. Welcome back to Boiling Point, the weekly science show on Eastside 89.7 FM. On the show, it's your host, Liz. Hi! We've had Nora Campbell come and talk about social behaviors in kangaroos earlier this year, and we've decided that we need to learn even more about the iconic Aussie animal. So today, we have Daphne Willemson, who's going to come and talk about their research. Daphne was an honor student researching kangaroo, kangaroo behavior and resources at the University of New South Wales. Welcome to the show, Daphne. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, so you researched kangaroos. What actually was your was your research? Well, I wanted to see if kangaroos are changing their behaviors or where they're spending their time based on the resources around. So more specifically, I wanted to see if they liked water or food, which I know that's where I spend most of my time, or if they like to spend more time around the shade because where I was was pretty hot, so... So where were you? Uh, I was out in far western New South Wales and eastern South Australia, which is in the arid zone of Australia. So not much rain out there, though. Depends on what year you go. Turns out when I did it, it was pretty rainy. Dang. Okay. Really cool. So with that, so you were looking at shade, you were looking at water and food. What did you see? Slash, like, what what seems to, like, affect them? Um, well... (laughs) It's a bit of a uh, cop-out, but <laughs> the same way that most ecology goes, it really depended. So I was doing my research at two different sites um, with two different methods and two, a couple of different species, including oh, wow. goats, a little like, <laughs> side project with some goats. Cool. Um, and over two different seasons. So with all of that combined, there was a lot of different variables going on. So the results changed depending on the site and the method I used and the season. Um, but I found that in time there was a weak effect across all of the different uh, results. So water did have an effect, but it wasn't very strong. And it didn't have an effect on the actual grazing behavior of the kangaroos. Cool. Okay. So water but water seemed to show more than the others, but it was still pretty low. Uh, it showed or... about the same as the others, oh, but okay. there's more interest in water than there is the others, just because oh. it could be used to control kangaroo populations in the same way that it's used to control goats and sheep and cattle sometimes. So if we block off the access to water, we know goats, sheep and cattle will disperse. Like They don't really like it without the water, which is fair enough. Um, for sure. And we wanted to see if you could do that for kangaroos as well. And I don't really find that that worked. Granted, in the arid zone, it's kind of hard. My project was honours, so it's only a year. If you have a bit of longer time, 
it might show a different pattern. Or if you have further distance to water, uh, it was raining when I had it, so I had some puddles and stuff to deal with. So fun. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So you you talked about controlling kangaroo populations. Out where you were at, was was management needed for the population? Slash, like, what encouraged this study to happen? Like, are there having issues out there with them? Yes, they are, or they were. Um, They, back in 2019, they had a huge drought, and the kangaroos and kind of any of the animals that were there were just eating and eating until there was no food left, um, which, you know, makes sense. If there's animals out there, they're going to want to eat. Uh, but what happened was the kangaroo population grew so large that the food that was left couldn't sustain them. So oh. then, unfortunately, there was a pretty big die-off of the kangaroos, Oof. which is a pretty big uh, animal ethics issue that we don't really want to repeat. So they're trying to see if we can control their numbers and like limit them so that it never has such a big die-off again. That's important. Wow. Interesting. So, okay, so water maybe is looked at more than the others, but not a whole lot. Is there a, another method that you'd recommend, that you, from like what you saw, that you might recommend for maybe controlling them or another aspect to look at to control them? Uh, there's a couple of different things people are looking at. I know they're looking at, what is essentially birth control oh, for interesting. the kangaroos, though that's not really my area, so I don't know that much about it. And I don't think they're doing that out in the arid zone, but I might be wrong there. Um, and then there is, of course, culling of kangaroos or the kangaroo harvest industry, which are different things. Uh, okay. So kangaroo harvesting is when we shoot them to use their meat or uh, to get their fur or anything like that um which is one way to control their populations and is a pretty good source of food okay Um, have so potentially controversial question yes have you actually eaten kangaroo yes i have um yeah it's not something that you need to like go out there and collect yourself or anything like that yay um yeah you can get kangaroo meat at woolies and coles i'm pretty sure might depend on your region um but they'll have like kangaroo meat sausages or uh i think they've got burger patties as well wow so yeah there's they've got it available for you if you want to eat it um it's a nice lean meat and yeah pretty good for you very good for the environment if you're eating it sounds good what is your favorite way to eat kangaroo um i'm actually vegetarian now oh okay but i used to eat kangaroo and i used to make it in a shepherd's pie although i guess it's not really a shepherd's pie if it's kangaroo I mean, can you be a shepherd with kangaroos? I don't know. I haven't tried. (laughs) That's my next scientific question. There we go. We go figure this out. (laughs) Yeah, it's very important. Uh, But yeah, it's very nice to eat in a shepherd's pie and stuff like that. Nice. Okay. Um, So with that, so definitely you said it's an honors. It's only a year. So more work probably would be good to be done on this. What do you think should happen next for this work? Like, Sash, what do you think should happen next to kind of help out this question? Um, I think just to be absolutely sure in that water doesn't affect it, we should try and study this during a drought. So the other problem with honours is you can't choose the time. That's true. I went into the project and I was like, oh, it's going to have, like, it's going to be so dry and I'm going to have such a large distance to water. And then everywhere I went, I was driving through water. Oh, so no. it wasn't quite working out how I'd hoped. Uh, so over a longer time period would be pretty good since the 
yeah, area out there is so variable with rainfall. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just over a longer time period, because kangaroo populations change a lot. Oh. From what I've seen, their population hasn't climbed back to what it was before the drought. Mm-hmm. So any effect that the kangaroos are having now is different to what it was before. Oh, interesting. Okay. Huh. Definitely need to go out there and do some more some more field work. Speaking of which, you went out and got to do field work. Exciting. Yes. What was that like? It was wonderful. Um, I really enjoyed my field work. I went out twice for all up about a month and a half. Wow. Okay. Which was quite a bit in yeah. a year. Um, and unfortunately, the first time I went out wasn't that glamorous. Oh. It was, uh, I'm sure you can relate, uh, something that ecologists do quite a bit was uh dung counts so yeah just walking through a field and you get really excited when you see something (laughs) because anything that's not a zero is exciting uh yeah so there is a moment where you think hmm what's my life come to that i'm so excited about kangaroo dung (laughs) or any other type of dung but you know it happens um and then the second time i went out i was taking in my camera traps so i set up a lot of camera traps and i was kind of spying on the kangaroos through them, which was very exciting. So it was fun to actually spy on the kangaroos. Any strange or interesting behaviors you notice as you, like, spied slash watched them? Yeah. So, well, the first thing is that I saw a lot that wasn't kangaroos. Oh, really? Because there's just everything is walking past. My oh, kangaroo, okay. my kangaroos, my uh, camera traps were just on a pole pointing out to the field. So anything that walked past, I would see. Oh, wow. Okay. So it turned out a lot of goat behavior, which was oh. exciting. A lot of pigs, um, which is, yeah, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, one of my pigs broke my camera trap, but that's <gasps> field work. So oh, no. It oh, happens. Tragic. Yeah, it really was. Uh, and then I saw a lot of, like, micro bats, which was really cool. Micro bats? Yeah. What are, what are those? Uh, just kind of as the name implies, very small bats um, okay. that would just fly right in front of my lens. So huh. I would always see just, like, a wing or something. Always at night, so very ghostly looking, a little bit spooky. (laughs) Interesting, because like, so uh, I'm so the audience probably knows I'm I'm not from here. Uh, I am from America, and of course, in America we have lots of small bats. But I've since I've come here, I've pretty much only really been in Sydney, and I see lots of the flying foxes, Mm. but I haven't actually seen any like small bats. You can actually see the micro bats in Sydney. Really, you just have to know where to look. Okay, so I know there's some. They normally go through over, like, water or stormwater, not drains, but the big open drains. Okay. Uh, and if you just wait until dusk, you'll see them flittering around. They're really small, normally about, like, 10 to 15 centimetres, I think. Oh, wow. Okay, that is pretty small. Yeah, and some of them you can hear, so they make a very high-pitched noise. Fun. Okay. Yeah. I have to keep my eye out next yeah. time. They're pretty cool. cool. <laughs> but that's interesting. So you did camera traps and dunk cats. So what... what- uh, what was the dung counts for, if I may ask? Uh, the same thing. So when I mentioned that I did two different methods of okay. counting the kangaroos. Oh, so you used the dung to actually figure out how many kangaroos were around. Kind of, yeah. Not okay. quite how many. I used it more as a proxy. So I was like, ah. well, this site had a lot of dung. so Probably more kangaroos. Yeah. Than the or just oh. one kangaroo with an upset tummy. But <laughs> <laughs> We're going to hope that that's, yeah. that's, that's yeah, rare. Yeah, that's why we do uh, a lot of repetition. For sure. <laughs> Just in case, you know, we've got to cover your bases. And then, yeah, my camera traps were to see the actual behaviours. So I okay. could see if they were grazing or if they were just hopping around. Um, 
And then also what species. So unfortunately with tongue, you can't really tell that. Yeah. Some people say they can, but I know I can't. Um, I'm aware of my limitations (laughs) and I'm not that powerful. Uh, But with the camera traps, I could see the different species, which people think they behave differently. Okay. Unfortunately, I didn't see enough of the other species. So it's Uh, mainly red kangaroos out there. Okay. And that was most of what I saw. So... (laughs) Yeah, Fair. couldn't say too much about the behavior of the other ones, but I could say where they were, which was fun. That is nice. Yeah. Yeah, overall sounds like a fun, interesting project. Yeah, it was very nice. Um, it was honest, so a little bit stressful, but... For sure. What got you into looking at kangaroos and all this stuff? <laughs> that one, um, it's not a very profound answer. Okay. I did honors, not honors, I did my undergrad during COVID and there was a project or a course that we were meant to do that went out to one of my sites um, out at Fowler's Gap. Okay. And I didn't get to do that because of COVID. So when I decided that I wanted to do honors, I was very determined to make sure that I got out to Fowler's Gap. Exciting. And that was, there were a couple of projects that were kind of available out there. Uh, one of them was on spiders, which I don't hate spiders, but um, <laughs> I don't want to do an entire project on them. Um, and then the other one was on kangaroos. And I was like, that sounds really cool. I'm very interested in that. And yeah, suddenly a year's passed and I've done a project yeah. on kangaroos. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Interesting. So now that you've finished your honors, kind of what what are you hoping to do next slash like what would you like to see yourself doing in like in time? Hmm. Um, I quite like research. Okay. So I would like to kind of stick with it. At the moment, I'm just taking the time to take a little step back because it's... That's fair because one solid year of just doing research can be really intense. Yeah, it doesn't... Like it sounds like a long time for a project and somehow, you know, you, like I spent a full month just a straight month looking at my camera trap photos that's fair so things just take a lot longer than you expect um which is all right that's why you've got a whole year but after that you uh, at least I wanted just a little bit of time off so I'm just taking some time I'm interested in seeing what other people are doing with their projects and like what other research is going on so I'm doing some volunteering that's great um yeah and just having a look around Sounds good. If I may ask, what type of volunteering are you doing? Uh, I'm volunteering at the moment with a possum project, which is very interesting. They're looking at um, the rehabilitation success of possums and how possum personalities can change their outcome. Oh, interesting. Is it looking at... So does does it look at anything with, like, how human, like, yeah, any anthropogenic, like, effects on them? Yes. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so it's all based in Sydney, which all is right. yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I am really interested in just seeing how humans and wildlife interact. So it doesn't matter if that's here or out west with the kangaroos. Um, and, yeah, they're interested in seeing a couple of little things. It's not really my project, so I'm not sure about the specifics. But mm-hmm. I know they've looked at how human habituation changes the success rate of the possums being released. Interesting. Which is pretty interesting, yeah. Yeah. Huh. They're also just so cute. They are so cute. <laughs> Coming from America, our our opossum, mm. the only marsupial we have, looks just horrific. <laughs> it looks so... I mean, playing possum is not a compliment yeah. in the U.S. Um, 
I have to admit, before I think this year, I didn't realize that opossums were real possums. Ha! I didn't think they were marsupials. <laughs> oh yes, they, they are. They are the only one. Mm. Um, I, I'm, I come from Texas, and we have quite a few opossums down there. And they're actually very helpful for the ecology. They, oh, yeah. Um, they actually eat ticks off of baby deer and stuff like that. So, And they don't carry Lyme disease, which is a, 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 it can be an issue um, yeah. in South Texas. That's good. But, yeah, they're very helpful. And so there's every year there's stuff that goes out that's like, save the possums. Such, <laughs> don't hurt your possums. Because generally the issue with them is they like, like to rummage through your trash and yes. things like that. And so, yeah, a bit like the brushies here. Indeed. Yeah. I think possums got a bad rap. They're pretty, even the opossums are pretty cute in their feral kind of goblin way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually would agree. And a lot of times, um, at least in the US, when you when you approach them slash like, when you start actually trying to mess with them, which we do not recommend that you go out and try to touch an opossum. <laughs> but if you, for whatever cha- for whatever reason, like did, like they actually generally will like play dead so they will like just really? collapse yeah they don't generally like to fight back their defense mechanism is literally like just collapse yeah you know what sometimes i think we can all get behind that i, I agree sometimes just, <laughs> it just it just just collapse yep sometimes it's just better to lay on the floor yep floor is nice <laughs> mm. okay so are there any ways we've talked about kangaroos we've talked about culling we've talked about like the kangaroo meat is good. Is there actually things that people, that an average person could do to kind of help with kangaroo management? Because, like, we talked about, like, culling as one of the ways. Is that, like, do you think that's one of the ways, like, actually eating kangaroo meat? Do you think that would be a good idea? Or Yeah, so there's a bit of a difference between culling and the kangaroo uh, harvesting industry. Okay. Um, and I'd say definitely buying meat that's supporting kangaroo harvesting. All right. Culling typically is like a last kind of last effort, um, especially for when you get the problem of them starving, because that's like, we don't really want to let an animal starve because that's just not very fair to them. That's true. So sometimes if there's a big drought, they'll go out and shoot them then because of animal welfare issues. Uh, But I would say to try and jump before that that. yeah yeah i would say definitely try to buy some more kangaroo meat and um yeah just try to support the industry a little bit okay just because it's taken a couple of big hits recently so Mm. it's definitely a very easy way for us to uh kind of help the environment yeah kind of keep it under control exactly yeah being good stewards cool um so where so we talked about kind of like which perhaps a little bit about what you want to do next. Um, what, what else? So, okay. Sorry. Trying to think of how to phrase this. Mm-hmm. Um, so you thought you think about, you talked about like you wanting to do perchance more research. Is there anything else like afterwards, any other goals after that, like after research? Um, honestly, I I don't look that far into the future when I'm planning. I like to take it one step at a time just because, yeah, if I did more research, that would take a bit. That would take a little while. So plans change after that. Um, yeah, I do think it's really important that 
science has communicated, I guess, like we're doing now. Yeah. Um, yeah, science communication is really important because if we find out all this interesting stuff about the animals or the plants or the ecosystem as a whole and we're not relaying that to the public, then I kind of think we're failing as scientists. And while papers can be useful, you know, if you don't have access to them specifically through uni yeah. and they can be extremely expensive to For buy. sure. Uh, then we need to find other ways to kind of get the word out there about what we're doing and hopefully get some people to get interested in Australian wildlife. That's true. So since I've been here, it's been really interesting seeing the amount of people that are really passionate about Australian wildlife. And like Nora Campbell, who I mentioned earlier, is, is in my lab, and it's amazing just how much love and everything that... Australians have for their animals, which is so beautiful. Mm, we um, do have very cool animals. Y'all do. It is so <laughs> cool. Um, I'm trying to think of what my favorite one of y'all's is. I, I think, yeah, I think my favorite so far has been the wombat, just yeah. because it is a little lumbering little tank, yeah. but a fluffy tank, and it is so cute. Tiny bulldozer. They're so cute. Yeah. What is your favorite Australian animal? Oh. That's hard. Um, hmm. At the moment, I think it changes quite a bit. That's fair. That's At the fair. moment, I would probably say brush tails, just brush because tails. they're so cheeky. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is the cheekiest thing that you've like heard or seen a brush tail do? Ah, uh, just kind of working with them and seeing other people handle them recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just very feisty. Like, when you start to grab them, they're like, no, and they'll just scream at you, which is very cute. Um, I've also, yeah, seen them go through bins and stuff like that. <laughs> a bit like the ibis, really. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily bad. Like, they're living in the cities and they seem to be doing okay. Okay. So they have they noticed issues with, like, them being overpopulating or stuff? Or is it more just kind of, like... They seem to be fairly well contained. They're just having to adapt. Yeah, I think they're just adapting. Okay, um, so stable, relatively stable population. From what I'm aware of. Okay, that's, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> Not my area. Oh, good. Um, but the possums, yeah, they're doing okay. They have, you know, a lot to contend with. The city life isn't for everyone, and I guess it's not for every possum either. That's true. And we do have a fair amount of uh, foxes, which is not great. Ooh. But Have you actually seen foxes when you've gone out to deal with the, po- with the possums? With the possums? No. I have seen them around Sydney. Ooh, I haven't seen okay. them dealing with the possums before, but the person I was doing volunteering for said that one time she went out to track the possums. Mm-hmm. They have, like, a little radio collar on, and yeah. you can, like, track them. And um, there was a possum up in the tree, and at the bottom she saw a fox. And she was like, do not calm down. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, you know, it's a threat to the possums, but... It's kind of this natural part of life? Yeah, kind of. I mean, the foxes aren't... They're not native. Native, but you'd be hard-pressed to find an animal that doesn't have a threat of some sort, so... That is true. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're starting to come to the end of time here. Um, I guess what are the so I guess two more questions. Um, one is what we've been asking all of our people to come on. Like, what advice would you give to someone that either wants to study kangaroos or just study science, and anyone that um, anyone that wants to be a scientist? What advice would you give? Hmm. I'd say 
get some volunteering under your belt if you can. I understand that not everyone has the money to do that. Uh, but if you can, try to get some volunteering under your belt just so you know what you can expect. Uh, in my undergrad, I did a lot of volunteering for lab work and that was <laughs> fun. Fun. Uh, it was fun, but I don't think I'd want to do it for my own project. Fair. Because it was just long, long hours with the microscope. But uh, okay. if that's your thing, you might love it. So definitely try some things out. Undergrad is a really good time for that. Uh, if you don't want to do uni either, you can also do volunteering. Um, also, there's a lot of not uni-based things out there that need done. Um, particularly when I was out in the field, there were a lot of things. Like I come from the city and I don't know how to do a lot of things. I don't know how to drive tractors. and That is tough. Yeah. So if you do want to get out, and do stuff like that, there are opportunities for you. So I'd say, yeah, get some volunteering, get some hands-on experience and just see what you want to do. That sounds like great advice. Thank you. I've been working hard on it. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I, yeah, I definitely, yeah, I second that. Yeah. It's, it's always important to go out and get some experience. Yeah, just so you really know what you want to do. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Mm -hmm. So you have a song for us today. And so the song is Solid Rock. It's the remastered version by Goana. And is there a story behind this song? Um, It's kind of. It was the song that I played the most when I was out doing field work. It just it feels like a song that matches the landscape out there. Okay. Um, one of the... Okay. One question I didn't ask, and we're going to listen to the piece um as we listen to the music so is there actually did you get to work with any indigenous people doing, doing um, this because kangaroos as i understand it are kind of a, a symbol for them yeah so kangaroos are really important they're an important food source as far as i'm aware uh i didn't get to work with any indigenous people mostly just because my project was so short that's right. um the groups that i was working for slash with I assume uh, they all had pretty good connections to country and to the traditional owners of the land um, so you know just little things like making sure that if you want to do anything that might disrupt artifacts you get permission first and you get people to check it that sort of stuff but I do think for kangaroos specifically it's really important that people start thinking about indigenous people when they're starting to talk about kangaroos so. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Daphne, for coming on today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, and I've learned so much about kangaroos and all that. And I'll definitely have some kangaroo at some point all in the right. future. All right. Yeah. Um, this has been Boiling Point on 89.7 Eastside, Eastside FM. And thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>